Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. I'm your host, Monica Cox, and I am super grateful that you are spending time here with me on your journey to becoming the conscious mama you were born to be. Today, we have another amazing podcast discovery call. I'm super excited for this one once again. And remember, if you would like your own personal podcast discovery call. If I can spit it out, uh, the link is in the bio to book whenever you want or make sure you're on the email list um, when the email comes time to call out for free ones, the podcast ones, like the ones you're hearing right now. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on and connecting with me and sharing your story because I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people and and help other people and obviously get you some answers to your journey as well. Um, Yeah, so let's just start with your fertility journey. What what has it been like for you? Um, So uh, it started in, uh, I started trying to conceive in Jan 2017 and um, I first thought it'll, it'll just happen. And then, and then I went to a fertility, uh, you know, a gynecologist and she put me on Clomid for two months. I was hopeful that that would work too, because I don't have any uh, fertility issues uh, family-wise. Like both sides, they're pretty fertile, my husband's side and my side. So I was expecting it to happen at least with Clomid. And then uh, my own sister in this span, she's had two kids, the, the span uh, that I've been trying to conceive. And then... Um, I went to a fertility specialist, a reproductive endocrinologist in uh, Michigan, and she put me on metformin and um, she put me on letrozole. And I had letrozoles like five or six cycles for five or six cycles. And metformin used to make me feel really weak. I don't know. It didn't work for me. I I used to feel really dizzy or, you know, uh, low on blood sugar by the end of the day when I was on metformin. And um, that was the whole of 2018. I took a break after that. And then I went to India. And uh, they were like, we have some preliminary tests to do. And uh, they did an endometrial biopsy. And uh, in South Asian women, 30% of the cause of infertility could be because of endometrial TB. So they did an endometrial biopsy. According to them, it was positive. And they put me on AKT treatment for endometrial TB for six months. So that was pretty much the whole of 2019 for me. And then I moved to Canada and the doctor in Canada told me that uh, since you tested, uh, you know, positive for endometrial TB, let's do a laparoscopy. Let's see how everything looks inside. And then when he did a laparoscopy, he found everything clear. The tubes are clear, no scarring, everything perfectly normal. Like he didn't find anything, uh, you know, abnormal uh, about the the uterus or the ovaries or the fallopian tubes or etc and that was uh, uh, and after that he decided to do IUI cycles for me and we had um, four to five uh, IUI cycles in 2020 and I never had a positive uh, in all these years I never had a positive and um, after that I put on weight like 15 to 20 LB 15 to uh, 20 pounds in 2020. So 2021, I decided to take a break from all medications and treatments. And I was just, um, uh, you know, uh, trying to work, focus on losing weight, etc. And I did lose uh, all of the extra pounds that I put on in 2021. And then, um, but I was really low on iron in 2021. My iron was like seven, I had 
all of those hormones, uh, they messed up my periods for a while. The IUI hormones, I was taking, I did take FSH injections for IUI too. Hmm. And um, it messed up um, my, uh, the same cycle. And I had like really, uh, I had spotting in between periods, which I never had before, really heavy periods, et cetera. And a lot of hair loss, all those things in 2021. And then uh, my iron levels, they reached 18 by the end of 2021, from 7 to 18, uh, mid of the year to 18. And uh, the hair fall slightly reduced. And then I went for an IVF in India. Okay. Uh, that was my first IVF cycle in Jan 2022, this year. And uh, the doses that they gave put me on were really high. Um, she, um, that doctor felt... Uh, I need more, uh, I need higher dose of, uh, you know, higher dose of medications, but they were really high. Everybody else, I mean, the other doctors I spoke to told me the doses were really high, like 450 FSH and uh, 300 of LH, you know, uh, sorry, no, the, sorry, 750 FSH and 300 LH on, uh, on some days. And they were nine days of stimulation and they retrieved 15 eggs and uh, they were retrieved when they were around 16 mm in size or so. So, they, uh, uh, I think, uh, 10 or so fertilized, but then uh, by day three, they started getting arrest. They were arresting, they were fragmented. And by uh, day, day four, none of them, they all died by day four. Uh, the max that went was a 12 cell embryo. And then um, the doctor there told me that nothing can be done about equality. You have poor equality, and that is the reason why you've not been conceiving all, uh, all along. And um, I then uh, did my next IVF in Canada in July 2022. That's pretty recent. Uh, and I'd, I started taking CoQ10 like a month before. I didn't take it for three months. I was going through some, uh, you know, family issues and uh, loss in the family and etc. So I became alert like a month before the IVF cycle. I started taking CoQ10. That's the uh, major change I did the cycle. And uh, and I did up my iron intake and stuff. I don't know. But then uh, I, again, 15 eggs were retrieved with much less dose compared to the doses I were given in India. The same number of eggs were retrieved, nine fertilized, and um, uh, six were growing on day three. They were growing and one was a little slow. And day five, some were growing, some were rested, one was compacting. By day six, all of them died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, the doctor said it's intrinsic equality here. So that got me really worried because I don't think I can go for egg donors. So it's, I need to do, uh, I need to work on my equality. I don't know if there's something that can be done. And I was searching for this on Instagram and I came across your uh, reels and they really spoke to me. It's like um, I could connect. I could, I mean, your reels gave me hope that equality related to cells uh, and cells can be improved uh you're the first one who actually gave me a lot of hope your reels gave me a lot of hope and i even shared it with another friend in illinois who's facing a similar issue i told her to go through these reels and there's another friend in toronto i told her to look through you know go through your reels we're all facing the equality problem mm -hmm. right now yeah yeah well, that's a big journey. Well, thank you for the compliment. I It's always bittersweet to be here for people, but I'm glad this information is getting out. You've had a huge, huge journey. Um, and that's a lot of medical treatment in a short period of time. And I think how the doctors um, believe, I don't want to say they don't, they're doing this in a negative way, but this is their belief system. It, um, and um, they make you feel very time poor. Like, do it, do it, do it, right? Keep going, keep going. And um, unfortunately, those, with, those of us who are dealing with fertilities already have these massive underlining issues. And what this medical treatment is doing to us physically, emotionally, mentally, financially um, is so impactful that it is actually like reducing our chances because as I'm sure you've heard me say you those medical treatments don't take care of egg quality and that's why they tell you well there's nothing we can do because they're right there's nothing they can do about your egg quality but what they're they right. don't know um is that you can do stuff 
to improve your aid quality. So whether or not you choose to go do another round of IVF, um, for most people, they see dramatic results um, of the eggs um, improving because you have taken that time to support yourself. Um, the way you rattled off your numbers was like so impressive. Like, <laughs> um, do you come from an educational background? Like, do you have like, um, you know, um, was that like something that in your family was very important, right? Like education, like know your stuff. Like, you know, not many people, like people are looking at their notes when they're doing that. You were not doing that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I come from, my dad is a professor. So he's a lot of, a lot of focus on education in our, in our family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is a good thing, but also could be a contributing factor to the pressure to, you know, be at a certain level at a You're young right. age too. Right. You're right. And overthinking. We overthink yes. a lot. Yeah. Um. I actually have two one-to-one -one clients that are of like the same ethnicity as you in Canada. And I think the culture, and I don't think it's just your culture. I think many of our cultures do this, but um, it is that pressure to perform, to be available to everyone, to put everyone's needs in front of their own. And um, when this starts from a very young age, and especially being a woman, because most of us in our cultures, the woman is the doer, right, for everyone right. in their family. Um, unfortunately, our mothers and our grandmothers obviously grew up in that, but they weren't exposed to the, the Western. I don't, I hate calling it Western because it is a global thing now, but all of the chemicals, all of the processed food, um, maybe even uh, stress when it came to, you know, maybe things that they didn't have, you know, in their culture at the time that we now are privy to. Like, you know, my mom, when she was born, she couldn't even get a credit card in her own name, right? Like, so like women are now able to do so much more, but they haven't cleared their plate for all the stuff that they were like doing before either right so we're now doing like all of it and so over the years that really compounds to um physical issues they manifest right your body can only take you know like just think about like running a marathon there's a point when your body is like I can't do this anymore and you collapse right but because we're able, because we do take breath or rest and take breaks, um, we think, oh, well, we'll keep going. We're up. We're going to work. We're taking care of like our community. We're doing all these things. So well, I'm healthy enough, right? You're right. Yeah. So um, I want to get, I want to tap into some of your normal common health issues that maybe your fertility doctors are not linking um, to your actual low aid quality, which is due to the high inflammation and oxidative stress that's going on. Um, you have thyroid issues, you have low iron, um, you might have some gut issues. Um, I'm definitely would, I'm going to guess go out on a limb, your adrenal is just maxed out. Um, and, and these things are like our warning signs of like, okay, we're in survival mode right? Like we're just trying to keep you alive, like let alone grow a baby, right? Or give you, I don't, my, like you have to think of like when you have all these normal and common health issues that aren't in your nether re regions, they're maxed out. Like if they're below the normal guidelines, they're like really low. And um, your body is basically like, I just, I'm just trying to keep you alive up here. So I have to shut down that fertility because if I, if I try to give it all, your adrenal won't work anymore. Your thyroid's going to like clonk out and all those things above your lady bits actually control your fertility. Your fertility doesn't work on its own, right? right. Like you know, with the thyroid, they have to replace that thyroid hormone for other things to function in your body. 
So if you have low thyroid activity, um, it's going to impact the other things in your fertility. But then when you question, well, why do I have, why is my thyroid acting up? What is impacting it that it's not, you know, acting correctly and find that root cause and, you know, kind of re like reverse engineer, you know, your body. And when you're, when you're having all that inflammation that your body's basically like with thyroid, it's an autoimmune issue. Your body's attacking your thyroid because it's on so like high alert that it doesn't have anywhere to go. And it doesn't realize like, well, I don't have anything to do. So I'm going to go attack this. And when that inflammation is so high, that is contributing or even going out on a limb causing low A quality. You're does right. that make sense? It does. Uh, about the autoimmune, I did try to get myself tested. The doctor ran a few tests uh, for thyroid. Like I have two younger sisters. They both have autoimmune thyroid. But yeah. the doctor, they, they ran, she ran tests. It was last year. She said uh, at least the test that she ran didn't pinpoint an autoimmune cause in my case. Okay. So I, it, it caught me confused, but it does run in my family. Yeah. Like both my sisters have autoimmune thyroid. Yeah. So it's definitely, you're genetically prone to it. So we're working with a genetic state, but the way your genetics express is a direct correlation to the way you're living, right? So even though you are prone to have those thyroid issues, if you figure out what kind of harmony your body needs to live in, whether that be diet, uh, lifestyle, mental, emotional health, relaxation, those things, your genes won't express in like, I don't want to say a negative way, but in that way. So there's different ways a thyroid can act up. Um, but that's where we would start of like, why is it on overdrive? Is it a mental and emotional health issue? Right. And, but the, the catcher there is your brain and your gut are connected. So when you have low gut health, your brain, your, your brain suffers. And then that's where everything starts, right? Your penile, your hypothalamus, your pituitary, that all kicks off. And then it cascades to all our different. And then they like ping, 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 right? It's like a pinball machine, but you want it sure. to go in a certain order. You don't want it to go like sporadic. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my first thing for you is, okay, it's genetic. Yep. We accept that. But why is it genetically expressing that way? And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up on their diagnosis. And especially if it runs in the family, they're like, well, that's just my luck. That's just who I am. And it's like, it's not the whole picture. We can definitely radically change some things. Um, and with your low ferritin, um, you definitely want to be looking into um that kind of missing piece of like, you know, that you need that to produce the iron, right? And um, how do you feel about your gut health? Gut health, um, I would say it's, I don't have acidity, I don't have indigestion issues, but I feel uh, like my husband feels more hungry in the morning than I do. Like, mm -hmm. I don't feel the need to have a breakfast. I, I can survive. But there are times when I suddenly feel very low on blood sugar and I, and I feel really hungry. So it confuses me. Like in the morning, I can stay uh, hungry for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, I'm really hungry. And uh, I have, um, I would say, I, I have gas issues on and off. That is the only gut problem I feel I have. And, and if I eat uh, food from some places at times, it feel like my tummy aches and all uh, but I wouldn't say, I would say I have a, a stronger, uh, you know, digestion compared to my husband, because if he eats the same thing, he gets diarrhea. I don't get it. So yeah, I don't, it doesn't show very soon on my body. It doesn't reflect so soon. Yeah. Um, have you been tested for SIBO? Small interior, small intestine bacterial overgrowth? I haven't gotten myself tested. How do I do that? Um, so that would be through your doctor in Canada. And I, I have some other resources that you can, um, look into for that. And 
after every discovery call, I give you show notes. So don't feel like you have to remember this. I'll give you lots of links and, um, and where to go. But with Thank the you. bloating, that is something that a lot of people actually are having issues with. And when you have the small anterior bacterial overgrowth, you have to eradicate that. It doesn't matter if you're on the perfect diet, all the supplementations, the IVF, like that. And I'm actually going to give you, um, I've done another podcast discovery call with a woman who has been diagnosed with it that I think you'll find very interesting. And I'll give you the link for the um, early access. Um, but these are the things when you're dealing with little things that you're like, that's annoying, but it's not that big of a deal. Those are the things you actually want to look into, right? Those are your warning signs that like, hey, something's off here. So, um, and everyone out there, no matter what issue you're dealing with, improving your gut health just maximizes every single area in your body, right? You're so, right. um, you, it's the hub, like I would even say more so than the brain, right? Like it's what deals with everything and even like stress and things like that. Like a lot of us hold it in our gut. So, um, have you played around with any kind of like eliminating foods or finding your food intolerances? So I tried eliminating gluten from my life for three months last year. Uh, right now I try, I have limited gluten, like as much as I can, but I do have it now and then, but it's very minimal. I did try eliminating uh, gluten and sugar last year, but nothing more than that. And that was for two two months, I would say two or three months. And uh, gluten is something I don't really enjoy much. So I do, do uh, it's easy for me to avoid it. Yeah. Um, okay. What you said that sometimes when you eat meals, like you do feel discomfort, have you been able to pinpoint like a specific food when that happens? Uh, so it's when uh, I feel like if I've been eating homemade food for, for some time, it's uh, and I, then I go and eat outside food from some specific, there was some specific restaurant. Uh, I would eat food from there and then I would feel, uh, you know, disturbance in my stomach till it would get digested. Like it, it's like something heavy in my stomach and I need to need it to, you know, be yeah. digested until then I would feel um, a little discomfort in my stomach. Yeah. It's so that probably... was, it was that specific restaurant though, I believe, but yeah, outside food does cause that now and then. Yeah. And, and most of the time it's just like the oils that they prepare it with. It's pretty yeah. ranted oils. Um, right. It was, I lived in the United Kingdom for 14 years and curry is their national dish. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's lots of amazing Indian restaurants. And one time we went and we weren't drinking, um, which usually happens. We usually have a few beers at the Indian restaurant. And um, the next day we were hungover and we were just, and this is way before any of my knowledge about health and wellness, but now hindsight, it was just the, the heavy oils that have come into that culture's food in that area because I would highly imagine it's it's not traditional and they're just using the cheaper oils to you know right. make, make a better profit which is understandable but that's what made us feel so ill the next day was the cooking oils and the heavy oils in those dishes um and for me finding out paprika I'm highly intolerant to so it was very sad when I couldn't eat some of my favorite dishes but um, so, yeah, that's good that you noticed it. And it is probably um, those oils if you haven't like pinned it down to a specific food. Um, with the mental and emotional side of your life, where are you as someone who is, um, would you call yourself like type A, always on the go, always have to be doing stuff for people how would I you prefer classify? to be type a. I prefer to be type a I prefer to be on the go but uh, nowadays I after the failed IVF this year I, I I thought IVF is the last thing that's going to work for anybody I never realized um, I didn't even know what is uh, that you know I, I had such bad quality that I could face something like this I was 30 when I did my first IVF now 31 with the second I didn't realize I would I mean my image is really good 
a good ovarian reserve etc i never thought i would face something like that so i'm pretty low like you know depressed soul these days i try to keep myself up and motivated uh by studying and doing stuff but sometimes i feel i uh i i was an extrovert nowadays i don't find a lot of interest in going out and meeting people anymore like it's like people are calling me and i'm dragging myself to you know places or meetups i'm dragging myself earlier i was i used to hunt for meetups now i'm uh you know dragging myself just to uh you know just because i committed to it yeah so you feel like you've lost like the joy of your life yeah i would say that but i um i wouldn't say, i i i think i was it's been a long time since i was like really really happy it's been a really long time i think it's since this fertility journey it's it's been like a really long time i would say yeah i think a lot of us go through that yeah right? yeah you're definitely not alone in that and um it's valid yeah right it's it's pretty crap to yeah. to go through this and you know especially when you're dealing with unexplained right? Like now you've been, this is the same exact story for me. I was 30 when I first tried my IVF, none of the embryo quality, nothing. Right. Um, and even my second IVF, when I changed dramatically changed some stuff up, okay. My A quality got better, but I still didn't get pregnant with like a grade plus AA embryo. And at that time I look back and like, I was like a, like perfect health. I felt like I was doing everything right, but there was that missing piece of my gut health that was causing still, even after a year of being on a really good, healthy diet and lifestyle, I still had that, that autoimmune issue with the natural killer cells. And not that I think you have an autoimmune issue, but I, there's obviously still a missing piece that your inflammation is so high. And that's what we need to discover. Um, I do think like, um, I don't know if I said it on this podcast, but everyone can improve their gut health, right? You're everyone. Right. You're right. So we would definitely start there. Look at the things that you can do. Um, sometimes when you don't feel that there's specific foods that are an issue, it it's sometimes just good, especially when you're dealing with a thyroid issue to play around with an autoimmune paleo diet and see if you notice a difference um, in, in different areas of your life, right? So we focus on those normal and common health issues that you may be facing. Maybe it's, you know, five or 10 pounds. Maybe it's your skin health. Maybe it's your fatigue, your moods, um, you know, obviously gut health is a big thing. There's all these little things that we can kind of monitor and see if those are improving, even if we don't have these big food reactions, right? So when I eliminated um, a large majority of just paleo stuff like gluten, dairy, soy, I don't think corn was a thing, but uh, <laughs> um, I saw great improvements but I still wasn't getting and staying pregnant, right? And those hidden food intolerances for me was my issue because my gut lining wasn't being able to heal. So we would really want to figure out what where we would need to go with you. Um, the quickest way, because I always say, how long do you want your journey to be? Um, and the financial commitment, right? Because testing can be expensive, especially after maybe we've paid out all this money for IUIs and IVFs, you know, it's it, it gets on top of us. But um, really looking at your gut health, what is actually going on? What is your gut microbiome like? What are the functions within your gut that aren't working properly so we can target that with the proper nutrition and uh, supplementation. Do you have hidden parasites? Do you have SIBO? If you have SIBO, even a, like a breath of SIBO, that is a big thing. And we need to eradicate that. We need to take the time and the effort to do that. Um, and then the mental and emotional side. Um, one of the big things within the course and within my coaching is bringing joy back. you got to bring that joy back into your life. Um, because the baby, the pregnancy and the baby 
is the byproduct of joy. You're making that space, right? So instead of living your life in, or not living your life until the baby comes, you start living your life again. And you do the physical actions that ne you need to do because you're a physical being on this physical earth. Um, but the mental and emotional aspect of bringing that joy back in. Can you easily list off things that do bring you joy that you don't do anymore? Um, I would say I, I like reading books. I don't, uh, it really transports, transports me to a different world. I, but I don't really have the time for it these days. I don't find the time for it. And I, I enjoy exercising, uh, group exercising a lot. But I am not even, um, uh, my husband took me to the gym. I didn't even, see, I didn't even join the gym. I just, just came back. I don't know why I didn't feel like doing it. Yeah. Okay. Why aren't you making time for reading? Uh, reading right now, I'm, I'm actually doing a course. So uh, that and uh, trying to eat healthy, it's just taking up my time. I, I have to sleep eight to 10 hours, eight, eight hours every day. I don't feel fresh. Like last night I slept seven hours and I, I, don't, I don't feel fresh today. I don't know. It happens to me. Sleep is like really important. It affects my functioning for the rest yeah. of the day. Um, and uh, I had a cousin call me up and I couldn't say anything. She just went on speaking till a little late in the night. And I, I yeah, I lost, uh, I lost like uh, an hour's worth of sleep, I would say. And I don't feel fresh today because of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, I feel like I don't have enough time right now in my life for the reading, but I maybe in, in, a, in a month's time, I'll start reading again. Right now I'm doing a course that's taking like three or four, three or four hours in my life every day. So because okay. of the other commitments, Okay. Yeah, but earlier I had free time, but I did. I used to feel very lonely um, because my husband used to work, and I when I used to live in the United States, I used to feel very lonely because I didn't have a work permit back then, and I, you know, I just had to wait for him all day. I used to go crazy. Even then, I wouldn't read because I don't know. I just, I think my concentration is also, but it has improved. It has improved. Like I started yeah. studying, and it has it has improved my concentration yeah. compared to before. And your thyroid will impact that as well. You know, your thyroid health absolutely will um, uh, cause some like brain fog and, you know, concentration issues. So that's great that you're seeing improvements already. That means, do you feel um, when you're doing the, the food prep or, um, you know, like maybe you can combine exercise and listening to an ebook or an audio book, right? So you're maybe right. you can't take the time to physically read a book, but while you're cooking, while you're exercising, maybe going out for a walk, you get lost in that book while you're listening. Would that be something that you're interested in or you're just not interested in like listening to a book? Oh yeah, I am. I am. I, I do try to listen to, uh, you know, a podcast when we go on a long long drives i'm avoiding music and listening to podcasts instead and i i do have this ocd kind of a thing like if i miss a single word i like to rewind back and then listen to it again i don't know why i do that and like it's just okay to skip over i never used to be like that but now i have this i don't know it's this nagging ocd in me i can't resist going rewinding and hearing it again you yeah. know like yeah i don't know if it's something to do with my health issues too but i have this ocd these days <laughs> yeah. and, and you know that's fine it's just gonna take you a little bit longer to listen to it, it right? Is. yeah like, it does it takes it, me a lot longer because of yeah. that <laughs> but we're not in a rush yeah, right? yeah like whoever said you had to listen to a book in the time lot that you know if it's a nine hour read in that nine hours right sometimes um, following those things like sucks the joy out of like what you want to do. Right. And, and when you are cooking and doing other things, multitasking, sometimes you do miss, like, sometimes I miss like five minutes and I'm like, Oh, I'm not really sure what's going on yeah, because yeah. I too, I don't, we want to refrain that. I don't have the time. I don't make the time. I don't make right. the time to read. So I choose to listen to audio books while I'm walking, exercising, um, cooking dinner. If, if the kids aren't around, you know, 
um, or even like crafting. I like to do my craft. So I'll just put an audio book um, on. And um, so it's really important to switch up that mindset that you're just not making the time right now because you have this course that you want to do. Um, and yeah, when you're changing up a lot of things and for, you know, increasing your aid quality, it's time consuming at first because it's building new habits. So once they become like the norm, you won't feel that it's like this big time suck anymore. You're just like, oh, that's just life. Like, that's just how I have to live because these chemicals impact my thyroid. This food doesn't really sit well with my digestion. I'm going to make these choices that might be harder or more time consuming, but they're serving my higher purpose right now. And, and that's where I want to be. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I miss being with family too, but everybody, it, it's changed. Things have changed. My family dynamics have changed. Um, I, 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 they've moved on to different things. My sister's like, I was really, really close to my sister. We are like Irish twins born 11 months apart. She's got two babies of her own now while I'm still struggling. And she, she it's, it's not the same with her anymore. I, I just miss the old life when, you know, family used to be comfort it doesn't feel much like a comfort anymore though we're still close-knit but nobody even asked me how I am after a failed IVF they're like just move on nobody even asked me how I'm doing or like what I'm, I'm feeling no nobody nobody has time for me anymore I don't even discuss my IVFs with my sister when I used to, uh, when I in fact used to discuss like every single thing with her because uh, she kind of uh, you know we used to speak we speak almost every day on video calls earlier. Now it's the frequency is reduced after her second baby. So she uh, she knew she was pregnant for like three weeks, though we were speaking every day. And um, she didn't tell me that. Yeah. So it, it it was a huge blow for me. Like my own sister had to hide her pregnancy because she know she knows I'm struggling. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard on both sides. Because they know that their joy, not know, they, they feel like their joy is going to hurt you. And that's the last thing they want to do is hurt you. So I have been there many times with people. I watched probably close to 30 babies being born during my journey. I think um, I've watched 30 babies too by now. Right. And <laughs> sometimes the hardest announcement was when they told you much later or they told you in a really weird way right yeah yeah like, or they don't tell me at all I just yeah. get to know in a family group if they're living in another province I just get to know when a family group like when they have a baby they make an announcement yeah so this is really important and it might not resonate yet, but I'm going to put it out there for your subconscious mind to start thinking about it and not that I think you're doing this, not that I think you're putting up walls and not wanting to be around those pregnancies, not wanting to be around those babies. Um, and sometimes people put those walls up for you, right? Like it's not even a choice. They don't tell you or they don't invite you around as much because they think it's going to hurt you or you don't have kids. So why would you want to go to this anyways? Yeah, they do that. They single you out. Yeah. For like, if there's a movie night or something, if it's a kid's movie, they just tell for those who have kids in a group, you know, in a friend's yeah. group. Yeah. So what you need to do or what I suggest you do is make it very clear that you want to be invited. That it doesn't, that to you, it doesn't matter if it's a kid's movie. It doesn't matter that you can't show up with your other kid. You want to be present in their lives because they matter to you. And you matter to them, right? And when people don't understand infertility, it's not because they don't want you in their life anymore. They just don't understand your situation. And be when someone doesn't understand something, um, it's hard to like relate or communicate, right? So unfortunately, it is like our duty of people who are going through this and want to be invited to these kids things, uh, whether it's friends or family, like we want this in our life. Um, we need to make that known to them that 
it might hurt. It might sting us like, yeah, we're human. Like, yes, we're suffering right now. We're heartbroken for our situation, but we want to be a part of our niece and nephew's life. And we want to bring that in because that magic fills us with joy. What doesn't fill us with joy is being excluded, not being told things. You're right. Right. So they need to know that from us, though. They need to know it's okay to celebrate. Like, I mean, I remember getting um, the phone call that my uh, sister-in-law on my, my husband's side was pregnant and they weren't married. They had only been together for a short time, but they decided to have a kid together. And um, they were so nervous to tell us because me and my husband had been together at that time, like 10 years, we've had failed IVFs. And I was so happy for her for various different reasons. But one of the main reasons is his parents were going to be grandparents. And that was something I couldn't give them at the time. And I was so happy that that burden was off of me. And she was so surprised by my reaction. She's like, I thought you were going to be really sad and pissed off at me. I was like, no, girl, you just took this world of pressure away from me. So they need to know that, though, because they're coming from a different place and they don't know what's going on in your head so you need to let them know I want to be invited and what all what I said about that joy that you get to experience now is gonna I mean this is the woo-woo side of stuff this is gonna invite more joy into your life you're gonna want to go out again you're gonna want to start exercising again you're gonna want to make those healthy foods you know, having relationships with um, your nieces and your nephews and your best friend's kids is one of the most important things to do during infertility, right? Bring that in. Um, you want to be that, then we we start living that way in ways we can and our close community of children is the best way to do that. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I don't, I don't avoid children. Like I, I've been um, like in groups and meetups, I've attended baby showers if somebody invites me and uh, I've hung around like three pregnant women discussing deliveries and all those kind of things in groups. And I do play with their kids also whenever I get the chance. I just don't have my family near me. Uh, I would feel a lot more closer with my niece and nephew, but they're not yet close. They might be coming soon. Maybe I'll, I'll get more time with them. Yeah. When they come here. Yeah. 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 I was away. I'm still away from my niece and nephew. And actually my niece um, on my, my brother's daughter is, is a um, physical representation of my fertility journey. She and I started trying to get pregnant at the same time. And so she's now 13. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's um they're special bonds and you just make them the way you can and just let your sister know if she's not close by let me FaceTime with the kids let let the kids run around with the phone and make you seasick right like just be yeah, present I do that. yeah just be yeah, present in their that. life yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, my niece is now like five and she also is a representation of my like you said mm-hmm. my infertility journey it's been six yeah. years but you know she was she can she was I was trying and she my sister conceived immediately and I was still trying and trying and then she was born and now she's going to turn five soon. And yeah, I speak to her all the time. Good, good. Yeah. yeah, keep that in your life. Bring that stuff in your life. You have to bring the joy now so you make space for more joy. And the low vibration, I'm not saying you're not gonna have bad days. I'm not gonna say that like this is the magic cure to getting pregnant, but not not doing things because of your pregnancy or because you're not getting pregnant or you have an IVF coming up, or you're all consumed by fertility issues, right? Like that's your whole life other than maybe your job. And once you break out of that and just go, okay, I surrender, right? I'm still going to do the physical actions I need to do to to get to a healthy level, to maybe have a better chance of IVF but I'm not going to hyper-focus on this anymore. I'm going to bring, I'm going to make joy the priority in my life. And so in the group coaching, we have this one girl who wanted to do uh, the hair removal around her bikini line. And she's like, I haven't done it because of my infertility. 
And I'm like, well, would it bring you joy? She's like, absolutely. And I said, go do it then, right? If you get pregnant and you're midway through it, then great, celebrate that, right? And if you you don't get pregnant during the time, then at least you're doing something that brings you joy. And it's something as simple as getting hair removal or going to the gym and, um, you know, any, any sitting down and reading a good book, you know, being social, you know, getting out there. So it's just really, really important to bring that in into life, because if you don't have that joy, if you don't have that hope, then what's the point? You're right. You just get like sadder and sadder about life and. Um, I think too, it sets you up to be able to handle the hardships of, you know, what's going on, you know, um, because like I said, it's not a magic wand. You don't all of a sudden become super joyful and then nothing bad in your life happens again. Right. Like that wasn't my story. I, I had miscarriages and failed IVFs and, you know, it wasn't an easy road, but, I must say the things that I went through were just, I dealt with them with a little bit more grace and I didn't stay down in the dumps as long as maybe I would have before, right? I took the time to grieve. I took the time to express my emotions. And then it was like, okay, I heal and I'm ready to move on with confidence that my result of my past and what I've been through does not dictate my future. If you would have told me I would have got pregnant naturally at 36, after eight years of infertility BS, I would not have believed you like no way that doesn't happen. Right. You're right. And if I would have believed that those failed IVFs were this dictated my future, I wouldn't have had the strength to continue the diet, to continue the lifestyle, to to continue growing and becoming, you know, the conscious mother I became, I would have just given up like, oh, whatever, you know, I'm just going to live my life in this miserable state. And on the flip side, let's say you do all this work and for, for whatever reason it's written in the stars that motherhood wasn't your destination you're not ever going to look back at your journey and wonder, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have just tried that health coaching out or that program out. I wish I would have just tried diet for three months. I would have wished I got that test done because what if that was, you know, I tell everyone just do as much as you possibly can uncover every single stone. So when you look back at your journey, you could be proud and walk away from it, no matter the outcome confident that you can move on with your life right does that make sense it does it does yeah thank you so much yeah no my pleasure this is this is what I feel like I was born to do (laughs) (laughs) I love helping people see these realities um, because society has definitely done us a massive disservice on it so you're cycling beautiful female who has aches inside of her you have the working bits you need to find those root causes and heal from the inside and give it time and patience to work through and then make decisions I would say three to six months from now of moving on with medical treatment if that's what you need to do right? Give yourself time. I just did another podcast discovery call um, just a few hours ago. And um, same message here. IVF is always going to be there. They're always going to be willing to take your money. And your fertility is more linked to your cellular health than your age. So we're not talking about moving from 45 to 50. If we were, it'd be, we would be on a different conversation, right? That's when we're really getting into um, a different zone of a woman's physiology. Right now, we're talking our 30s and maybe early 40s. And that's a different game. And we have a lot of control. We just need to take the time to improve our overall health. You're right. Yeah. So, and, you know, I'm going to write up a really good um, email for you with lots of different links for you to explore. 
um, and just sit what sit with what resonates with you and where you want to go with your journey. There's lots of lots of options. Um, and one of the things that I've just started including in my practice over the last few months is intuition, surrender, and receiving. Because those three things, I think most women, and I know this was my problem, we just have not been taught that. And we have not been taught. I mean, I think most people who really invest in themselves and are willing to listen to this message are already open to receiving receiving this information. Um, but it's it's a different thing by like following through, right? Because there's not going to be any, many people out there saying like, yeah, fix your gut health to improve your fertility, right? Like maybe yeah. your thyroid should be improved before we do another round of IVF that's going to chemically send you to places that your body would never go on its own, right? Impacting your health. Um, and I would say to find that community, get that support, get that sounding board. And that's what, that's what coaching is all about. We're not here to fix your fertility in a sense of like, I'm going to do magic things to your eggs. I'm going to improve your mental and emotional health. I'm going to improve your gut health. I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you the knowledge to do these things for yourself and make it a lifelong thing. And the hope is that when you have children, especially a little girl, she's not going to go through this as well. Hopefully, you know, yeah, that's what that, scares me the most. Yeah. And not that we can control anything, right? Like we don't have full control, but it's like wearing a seatbelt in a car. You do it just in case. So these things that we are improving with your physical health are, are impacting. I mean, this is such a mind trip. You, <laughs> you were like born in your mother's or in your grandmother's uterus, Right. Because a girl develops the science that we have right now, all the eggs that might change. I'm kind of hoping it does. But right now we are just, we can improve those eggs. But your mother, inside your grandmother, you were an egg inside of her when she was developing. Right? So it's really, really impactful. And it's not tangible to think of these things that what you're doing right now, even before your egg is released, is going to have an impact on their health in a positive or negative way. And I'll send you some links to about um, a good book to read, um, Origins. It's about the, the importance of the, the nine months. I think that was like a life-changing book for me too. It was just like, okay, this is more than just getting pregnant. Like I'm actually dictating my children's health. And I have two boys and um, their father's line of men have all had prostate cancer. So I know my husband will deal with it at some point of his life. They're genetically prone to it. So I just feel so grateful for my infertility because I had time to sort my health out to help better their chances of not having major issues, if any issues at all. Like, I know I'm not going to be able to control their diet and lifestyle once they hit like 15, but at least the first 15 years and the first nine months, you know, I did my best and that's all we can really do. Yeah. That's a different perspective. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. There's enough studies out there. It's epigenetics. It's, um, it's, it's life-changing for a lot of people you know, um, especially even if you're just dealing with yourself, right? Like maybe we're not putting in the next generation, the next generation, like your cellular health is dictated. Your genes aren't set in stone. Okay. They're genetically prone for stuff, but what you do towards them is how they're going to react. So if you're putting them in stressful situations, of course, they're going to act like little dickheads, right? <laughs> they're going to present with all these problems. Um, but if you do the opposite, you get the opposite results. So um, I hope this has really helped. Um, before is, we go, is. do you have anything else you want to ask me? Yeah. So how would I know if I have any autoimmune conditions? Uh, I, uh, I, 
a doctor in India ran my ANA profile, nothing after that, that was in 2018. There were a few borderlines and a, uh, a borderline and a positive, but I didn't investigate it further. And then the doctor in Canada, she ran similar tests again and they were negative in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, this is a tricky one for me to say in the right way. I don't want anyone to ever not test for something that they feel that you need to test for, but it can be tricky because it's not like some doctors don't believe in it. Some people just don't have access to it. The good news is that you technically don't need to know you have a genetically prone autoimmune issues in most cases, if you're not presenting with like crazy stuff, right? You can just control that by finding your food intolerances figuring out if you need to heal your gut, um, what kind of support do you need, um, doing the mental and emotional work. Um, all those things impact how an autoimmune issue expresses. Like, And I think people who aren't expressing in normal ways, meaning like it's easy to get a diagnosis and therefore like some medications would be really helpful for that. Um, I don't personally, and this is my personal opinion, believe you need to know. Now, some people just want to know for wanting to know sake, right? They want that hard evidence. But um, I mean, I don't know if my, my I have an um, autoimmune array test. I'm not sure if, if it's available in Canada, though, but I'll put that in your show notes if it is, and I'll let you see. But and I'll put this in the in the notes too, not the show notes for people to access the like email I sent you. Um, what testing I would advise you to look into and what testing I can offer from this end. And then if you're like, you know, I want to do stuff in Canada, but I most of my clientele base is in Canada and everything they say is that they don't have access to these tests. You know, like the doctors won't run them for them. I know you can get a SIBO test and that's definitely going to be on your list of things to do in Canada. Um, I don't do that for people, but, um, but I'll give you all the information to look into. And um, I just think in your situation, um, doing a gut health test, a SIBO test, um, and even maybe a food sensitivity test just to kind of narrow things down and get you on the right path so you don't have to play around with elimination diets um, would be the right step for you. And then um, it is going to be a lot of mental and emotional work as well, you know, getting you on the right path of like what support, what type of support you need, um, where you need to go um, is going to be really, really helpful for you. Um, I know you mentioned that before we go, this is, I I don't like to push it over an hour. I know people are like, okay, I've listened to it, but I do want to bring this up because you mentioned that you don't feel your husband's gut health is as good as yours. I'm assuming his sperm is fine. It is. According to the doctors, it's fine. The DFI, everything is fine. Do you think on a health level, there's areas of, of improvement for him though, like a normal health level? Uh, so I feel that uh, he has his jerks in his sleep. Uh, he His sleep quality isn't good. So he gets up uh, really easily. Like, you know, if I'm moving, if I just uh, turn something on, he, his sleep gets disturbed really easily. And I, if I take time to fall asleep, I've noticed that he has a lot of jerks in his sleep. Like if he supplements himself with magnesium or zinc, uh, they reduce. But sometimes uh, if without the supplementation, I do see that, uh, you know, they like tremors or something. It's like people with fits, those mm-hmm. kind of jerks in his, okay. yeah, in his sleep. Yeah. So Apart if he's that, open, he's good. Yeah. if he's open to making, making some changes or working with someone who uh, could help him figure out, or even just like taking a test to see what his magnesium levels are like, what, mm-hmm. what those levels are like. Um, because a lot of the time when husband's sperms are fine, it gets like so pinned on the woman and what it could actually be is like a joint thing, right? An embryo is egg and sperm. And mm-hmm. because he's fine, you get looked at like, oh, well, it's just your A quality where normal sperm counts 
they're getting worse and worse and worse. So the testing of like the normal range is going wider and wider because they base mm-hmm. it off a community, like a, a whole society, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's enough information out there that sperm quality is on the decline. Um, just in our situation, same thing. My husband's sperm was fine. I wouldn't even say he had any kind of normal common health issues. He had to change his diet to support me. That was just one of our things that we had to do together. And his sperm improved by the millions. Wow. Millions. Just by making small changes, he didn't have to radically change things like I did. He just improved um, his diet in areas and um, just a few different things. And it was radical. So when you are having embryo quality issues, just always remember it takes two. Mm -hmm. You know, and unfortunately, at the moment, we don't have an egg quality test, right? It's just like, oh, your embryos are bad. Your husband's fine. So therefore, it's it's your fault, which is complete BS, because how do they know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. So um, I don't know if you've listened to Dr. Amatma's chat that I had about um, sperm health. Uh. I've been, I did listen to a couple of your podcasts, but not the sperm health because sperm health is just not on my mind. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to send you that link for that podcast. And I really want you to listen to it. And I think a lot of people just glaze over it because their husband's sperm is fine. But even I, when she was telling me some of her research and what she's seen in her practice, because I don't work with men either. Um, I have worked with a few husbands just to get their gut health um, in order because I feel confident in doing that. But um, I was like shook. I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. How she was relating the man's sperm health who were fine to the miscarriage rates. So I think you'll find that really, really interesting. And yeah, if your husband's open to, you know, changing up a few things or, or getting the right testing to see exactly what he needs and what he doesn't have, it might be a benefit, especially you know, if you're going to go through another IVF cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Monica, what would you recommend the next steps for me after the testing? Um, so when you get the testing back, it's really just implementation. So what we do in the one-to-one coaching is we put you on a 30-day action plan that goes through the diet, the rest and recovery, the exercise. Uh, supplementation is a big, big part of it. Um, and we, we start implementing that and our time together really is finding, um, what's working and what's not working. How are you feeling? Where are you going with this? And for the most part, people start seeing these dramatic results and their normal and common health issues. And then it's a, it's a game of studying the course, doing the things that you need to do and, um, making the the harder decisions a little bit later on after, right? So, you know, I have, I've had plenty of clients come to me and they're like, I'm doing IVF in two months. And I'm like, like, okay, well, I'm just telling you our work together right now will not produce the results you want to see in your IVF. It just doesn't work that quickly, right? So we do work together, um, most IVFs fail, but the good news is they get pregnant naturally after that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the work is worth it, but, um, yeah, you just do the testing, you get the right direction and you start living life again with a really clear path of what you need to do. And you bring the joy in and, um, then you make the decisions, you make the decisions on, should we do medical treatment? Should we just, you know, take six months to live our lives together, you know, enjoy the holidays, you know, I don't know, go on vacation together, whatever it might be. And then, you know, reevaluate, just say, where do we want to go with our lives with this? And um, part of the coaching too, whether it's in the course or one-to-one is um, tapping into your intuition. Your body will tell you you're here for a reason, right? Like, you know, you know, something, and so it's, it's honing in on that um, and, and trusting it, trusting yourself that you are smart enough, that you 
you do you do know what's best for you and i think that's hard sometimes yeah. right yeah Okay, my beautiful friend, I'm so glad you came and that we connected. Um, I'm going to send you an email over the next few days. So watch out for that. Sometimes my emails don't go through. So if I don't email you, like shout out me like, hey, I didn't receive it because I will give you lots of tips and uh, ways to, to work with me and the testing that you need to do and get you on the right path. Thank you so much, Monica. Okay, it was my pleasure. Have a great yeah. evening. You as well. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you feel called to discover what you personally need to do and are ready to have an intimate conversation, please go down to the show notes. There's a link there that you can book your own personal discovery call. Also, for your chance to book your own podcast discovery call, I do send out a email to my email subscribers every two months looking for new guests. So if you're not already on the email list, I highly suggest you sign up today. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.